Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It Books Edition. We are currently covering uh, Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. This week we are covering Chapter 9, Walking the Grave. Chapter 10, Red Carpet, Once White. Chapter 11, An Illusion of Perception. Uh, my name is Megan, and I should be drawing concept art. My name is Emily, and I should be working on my book. But instead, we're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. And oh, it is so exciting. In this episode, a character comes back. We thought they were gone forever. We thought they were dead. That's right. It's Tavlakov. <laughs> You mock my pain. I do. I mock your pain. So, Emily, first first impression. What did you what did you think of these chapters? Um Listen, I'm not going to lie. After last week's chapters, I was kind of hoping for more like emotional closure and I don't have it yet. So I'm still emotionally emotional. raw. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, we get to hear a little bit more about Kaladin and then we get some more Shalon and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm still not very impressed with her. I don't know what I want from her, but it's not what she's doing. Uh, Shalon doesn't seem to engage with her emotions. Mm -mm. And I am Um, trying to learn how to do that in my real life. And so mm -hmm. it's very frustrating to be like, dang. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah no we've we've seen her several times through the story when she's thinking about something that's a stressor for her she disengages with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she literally like closes it off and like you said like you were hoping for for more of an emotional closure she is i know we're, we're skipping the kaladin chapter and talking a little bit about shalon but we're going to be talking about shalon a lot in this episode don't worry um but she there's a mention that she's afraid of the ocean after she's made it to the beach after she's gone through the yeah thing yeah yeah um so if there's one thing we can deduce about shalon it's that she is very good at shutting off her emotions to do what she needs to do and then it's all gonna hit her after so in direct contrast comparison whatever to kaladin who feels Mm -hmm. feelings all the time so many feelings and when he doesn't feel feelings it's really bad because the feelings that are just too much and so anyways Mm -hmm. yeah i i like the i like the the two comparing characters i think it's really interesting to see and again brandon good job i love how he can write okay this sounds stupid because he's written thousands and thousands of pages. But I love that he can write characters that are so different. I That sounds stupid. I, I apologize. But yes? Well, uh, something that you pointed out in the first book when we're first meeting Shalon and Kaladin is that the way that they see the world is heavily influenced by who they are as characters. Mm-hmm. But... That part of the writing doesn't super call attention to itself. Yeah, yeah. That 
you know, Shalon, she likes to observe what visually is happening and and she connects it to what she knows about art history or the natural sciences. And Kaladin, when he's, you know, experiencing something, he's all about like the smells and the physical sensations and the where they fit in his memory of what he's experienced before mm-hmm. and how they make him feel in the moment. And Yeah. And in the way that Brandon can write how two different characters see the world and not have it feel like super duper jarring and different from each other. Mm-hmm. He's doing the same sort of thing with, okay, how does Kaladin deal with extreme emotion and how does Shalon deal with extreme emotion? I just like it. I like that these two chapters are so close. Like, mm-hmm. it also makes me angry as a writer because I'm like, mm-hmm. you've got to have done that on purpose, but you've got to have anticipated this as well, which means you know exactly what you're doing. And I don't always know what I'm doing when it comes to writing. I just, I love little things like this. It makes me very happy. So uh, we're going to start with chapter nine, Walking the Grave. I'm going to read the epigraph. Mm-hmm. I wish to think that had I not been under sorrow's thumb, I would have seen the approaching dangers. Yet, in all honesty, I'm not certain anything could have been done. From the Journal of Navani Colin, Jessica 1174. So, I'm wondering... Jessica 1174. Sorry, you're wondering. I'm wondering if this is post like a Parshendi attack or some other threat that they obviously missed because of all their attention was on the Parshendi and somebody else comes in. I don't know. I'm just, I'm dreading this. I want to know what happened so bad, but I'm dreading it all the same. Hey, what's the Everstorm? It's been mentioned a couple times, like the Everstorm, it, it comes or something like that. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a a hurricane to end all hurricanes or, or what, but oh. is that what happens? The Everstorm? I don't know. Uh, 1172, we were told it is but a thousand days. No, 1171. We were told it is but a thousand days and the Everstorm comes. And, you know, a thousand days seems to really line up with 1174. So, uh-oh. Maybe. Okay. Okay. It's probably just things a big to not con- look forward it's a to. A big shipping container that gets stuck somewhere. <laughs> the Everstorm. Uh, so Kaladin goes down into the chasms. Mm-hmm. And but oh, go ahead. Okay, nope, so you go. So I read these chapters, obviously, but I'm I must have missed something because he doesn't have. I mean, they're not bridgemen anymore. They don't have to go and. They don't have to go and pick up stuff anymore. They don't. So is this the only place they can train? Are they training in secret? What did, what did I miss? I'm so sorry. You didn't miss anything. This is a team bonding exercise. They Ew. are bringing Brit, not the dead, not the dead part. Okay. But because they're walking they... through a lot of bodies. If you guys haven't read the chapter, they're just like, just like. They trudging are. through bodies but they're they're kind of playing a little bit into the the legend of kaladin and the legend of bridge four mm-hmm. they're bringing these new trainees down here for their first day of training mm-hmm. to make them feel like because because they've been um these new bridgemen 
are from these reorganized crews Mm -hmm. that Teft wants to train to make sergeants for their own crews. And Teft is giving them a a lead sergeant's speech, uh, which I love, saying, Take a good look, lads. This is where we come from. This is why some call us the Order of Bone. We're not going to make you go through everything we did and be glad. We could have been swept away by a high storm at any moment. Now, with Dalinar Colon storm wardens to guide us, we won't be nearly as much risk. And we'll be staying close to the exit just in case. And then Teft continues on to, like, hand practice spears to the men. But um, what they're doing is they're, they're bringing more bridgemen. Kaladin's trying to build social ties with the other teams of bridgemen. Because uh, Dalinar didn't just liberate Bridge 4. He took all of Sadius's bridgemen. Mm-hmm. And... They're trying to kind of speed run all the training that Kaladin gave uh, gave Bridge for. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And as you were reading this, you asked me, oh, is it dangerous in the chasms during a high storm? And I was like, uh, yes. I thought, like, maybe they could stay and work during a high storm and not have to worry about mm-hmm. getting out of it because the high storm takes place above them. And I thought... Well, what if the wind comes through? And then you said... It's not the wind. It's the water. Mm -hmm. They are in a slot canyon. And while the rains come down and the floods come up, (laughs) because there's no place for it to gather really on the plateaus, it all gets dumped into the chasms. Okay. But speaking of Teft, as Kaladin uh, is watching him, Kaladin realizes there's glory spread all around his kaladin's head as he's so proud of teft and the first time we saw glory spread was when elokar climbed to the top of the plateau and quote unquote beat his uncle or maybe Mm -hmm. dalinar felt the glory i can't remember but i found that interesting that like this idea that that kaladin could have so much pride and so much accomplishment in bringing people together like he's an amazing soldier and he's an amazing fighter, but where he feels the most fulfilled is in mm-hmm. unifying people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, in, <laughs> uh, and I think it's also very sweet for Kaladin, who's lost so many of the people that he's trying to protect, mm-hmm. that not only did Teft survive Bridge 4, but now, like, Teft is thriving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think the... I think glory spren are the best proof that they're not attracted to actual glory. They're attracted to the feeling of glory, mm-hmm. like the emotion of it. Yeah, yeah. And then we get, we haven't had a lot of Syl and Kaladin exchanges lately. And I think this is just adorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about gravity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gravity. It's, that was cute. It's, uh, if I toss something upward, it comes back down. This is Kaladin saying that. And Sil says, except when it doesn't. It's a law. No, Sil said, looking upward, it's more like more like an agreement among friends. And I just love this relationship that she is showing with nature and the world. And we, we learn a little bit more about her and the spren and everything in this chapter. Mm-hmm. But I, I just kind of like that. I feel like Sil is almost like a hippie. She's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Kaladin's more of the scientist of like, things must be this way. And she's like, eh, if they feel like it. 
And now, listen, I didn't absorb much during my semester of AP physics. <laughs> but one of the things I did absorb that was great is we don't know why gravity. We know gravity exists. And we know the rate at which it exists, but scientists do not know why big thing pulls smaller thing. <laughs> and I like I like Sill's explanation that gravity is just an agreement among friends. This is what happens. Um, Kaladin is still feeling a little guilty that he hasn't been able to stop whoever is drawing the glyphs on the wall of Dalinar's rooms. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to rack his brain for what could have happened, how a person could have snuck in there. And then he starts thinking, like, outside of the box, which good for him. And he asks Syl if a Spren could have done that. And she's not sure. She she has kind of seen some portents and some signs of things to come. Uh, some strange Spren. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to have you put these down. In your spren watch. She thinks she knows what they are called. Mm-hmm. And they are called storm spren, she thinks. Yeah, storm spren. They look like red lightning. And this kind of leads Kaladin into thinking a lot of other things, but he and Syl start having a more serious conversation, and he asks if there are others like him, and Syl's like, oh, I knew we were going to get into this at one point. <laughs> Yeah. We, the audience, know. Mm-hmm. Shalon has a spren. Yasna had a spren. What happened to the spren of Yasna's? We don't know. Um, oh, wait. Uh, Sil said something to Kaladin that if you die, I go stupid again. Oh, that's right. Oh, there's a poor little spren walking around. So, so Ivory, uh has probably reverted back to you know like how sill was just a wind sprint at first mm-hmm. and pattern was you know like you were saying that dumb little couldn't you know put thoughts together couldn't <laughs> do anything um so that's in all likelihood what's happened to ivory mm-hmm. okay i'm sad about that anyway sill says she's been expecting this question so kaladin says okay that means you've either had time to come up with a really good answer or a really good lie. And Silk is offended and says, what do you think I am? A cryptic? Just capitalized. And, and Cal- Kaladin says, what is that? And Sil's like, I don't know. <laughs> because you mentioned, I think in our last episode, I had asked about Shadesmart and they talked about that's where Spren are from and there are cities and there are whole civilizations of spren and so they would know about each other but i guess it almost seems like sill has gone through like a mental veil where once she crossed over Mm -hmm. she lost a lot of her memories and so they're they're slowly coming back i think being with kaladin more and more and more but um that would be very frustrating i think to know that you know something that's important but you don't know the context of it. Emily, we have heard cryptics mentioned before. Aren't they? I thought, okay, I'm getting confused, I guess. I thought they were the symbol heads. They are. Oh. is a cryptic. Okay, okay, okay. And he speaks cryptically. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, it's all coming together. And so, 
Uh, Syl doesn't know what a cryptic is, but she knows that she doesn't like them and she knows that they lie. Mm -hmm. And she's an honor spren and I'm sure lying and honor do not go together. Yes. I'm going to read a little bit that Yasna, bless her heart, told us about the cryptics. That is their own name for themselves, though we probably would name them lie spren. They don't like that term. Regardless, the cryptics rule one of the greater cities in Shadesmar. Think of them as the light eyes of the cognitive realm. So this thing, Shalon said, nodding to the pattern which was spinning in circles at the center of the cabin, is like a prince on their side? Something like that. There is a complex sort of conflict between them and the honor spren. Oh, Spren politics are not something I've been able to devote much time to. So, Kaladin and Shallan have rival Spren. <laughs> I love that. So, Emily, when everybody, if everybody makes it together at the Shattered Plains. A la Avenger style. <laughs> are we all going to be friends? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I'm actually looking forward to it if we aren't. That would be interesting because usually the goal is to get everyone together, Captain America, Iron Man, you know, Hulk, Black Widow, Hawkeye, everybody. But I almost find it more interesting when your heroes don't have the same goals, but they have the same goals, but they don't realize they all have the same goals. And so I'm interested to see what is going to make them all work together. Who's going to be their Agent Coulson sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if if someone's spren is, like, leading them to work against what the other groups of spren want to do. Mm-hmm. So while the while the other, the new sergeants are being trained, uh, Kaladin and Syl are exploring the chasm because they know the areas, Kaladin knows the areas next to Sadius's camp very well because they would always have to come scavenge down there. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't know the area by Dalinar's war camp um, quite as well. So I'm wondering if he's learning it so that he can defend it as well. Mm-hmm. Because, listen, any even if you think something is unclimbable or insurmountable or whatever, eventually someone's going to do it. Like someone's going to find a way to come up through the chasm or climb up onto a balcony and assassinate a king. Like somebody's going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And he and Cell's conversation continues and she talks a little bit more about who she was before coming to Kaladin. She was a little rebel. Where she was. Mm -hmm. Because apparently she was forbidden from coming. Yeah. And she says... she says she is the only honor spren who came, but she yeah. did it to find Kaladin, and she did it even though the Stormfather told her not to. And my question to Megan was, is the Stormfather a spren? Is that like a giant spren? And the person that Dalinar was talking to, I thought that was the Stormfather, but it is the memory of someone else, and so... That person and the Stormfather are two different people? Yes? No? Are we dealing with time travel here? Yes. Okay. Yeah. They're they're different people. Um, <laughs> you look like you were 
way in your words. Sorry, different. I'm going to say beings. I'm going to say beings and not people. Okay. But, and this was what this is a little bit of the confusion that we talked about. Mm -hmm. The there are some overlapping names Mm -hmm. because the herald Yezrian is sometimes worshipped as the storm father. Oh, okay. And sometimes like the almighty is the storm father. And so humans have laid names multiple like they've they think one being they think it's just one being, but you are now learning it's actually different beings that are being called the same thing. Okay. So the voice that talks in Dalinar's visions, that voice is not the Storm Father. That voice is, it's a voice recording from another being who is dead. Honor. No, the Almighty. <laughs> Sorry. He <laughs> says, you called me the Almighty and now I am dead. And then Dalinar and Navani had that talk earlier. Dalinar's like, well, if he died, then he wasn't actually the Almighty, was he? <laughs> but, <laughs> Sorry. Later on, I'll be able to explain why I was stumbling over my words okay. for a little, a little bitty bit. Thank you for not, yeah. not uh, giving anything away. Yeah. Uh, and sorry, listeners, if I actually say stuff wrong and you're screaming at the, at the podcast, uh, tweet us at Sess Made Me View It. Yeah, we'd love <laughs> to hear from you. But no spoilers, please, please, <laughs> no spoilers. I dreamed, I dreamed the other night that I was at church. And someone over the pulpit was giving a talk about <laughs> the Stormlight Archives and started talking about, uh, what is it? What's the fourth book? Oh, uh, Rhythm of War. Rhythm of War. And I just had to like sit there with my hands over my ears to not hear it. Um, um, speech- Emily. Yes. Oh, sorry. Uh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> I was sorry. I was going to say something else from book one about Syl and her connections to things, but uh, we'll get into it later. Okay. Um, going back to Kaladin. Are you on Twitter? You can't be on Twitter. No. I took your password. No, I'm at, I'm on um, the Copper Mind, which is the, uh, the Stormlight Wiki. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking up trivia stuff. <laughs> Okay, so speaking of Kaladin and having emotions, and we see, like, he's greatly affected by uh, how he feels. Syl tells him, we are needed. Um, and she tells him, you are going, you're going to need to become what Dalinar Colin is looking for. Don't let him search in vain. And that we don't really get Kaladin's train of thought, but it's easy to follow here. And he says, they'll take it from me, Syl, Kaladin whispered. They'll find a way to take you from me. Which is a very valid fear, because that's the only thing Kaladin has ever known. Everything that he loves gets taken away from him. And he has got to be in a really tough position where all of a sudden he's in charge of all of these people that I think he loves and he cares for. And I'm afraid there's a depressive episode coming up for him just because, like, the idea of there's all of these people, and if the pattern holds true, he'll be alone again. Like, it feels like Kaladin is destined to be alone, even though I hope that's not the case. Just the way that his whole life has been, um, more so than other people's. And 
Kaladin doesn't feel like he's good enough to be a Radiant. Yeah. He doesn't feel like he's a, you know, the Radiants are these amazing, incredible beings. And, and he, he talks about, like you said, that the light eyes, he's afraid the light eyes will try and take Syl from him. Like they've taken everything else that he's cared about. And, uh, and he says he's going to try. That's all we can ask is you try. But I laughed as I read this because Brandon has put in how you pronounce Kaladin's name. He's because Rock apparently pronounces it Kaladin instead of the normal Kaladin. And so I think that's just really adorable that they put that in there. Like, this is how you say the main character's name. Yep. Kaladin. Although, how does Rock pronounce it? Megan, I literally just said that. Sorry. What are you doing? I'm sorry. I was reading stuff about the Stormfather. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure that I'm knowledgeable. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Pay attention to me. I was I was half listening. Oh my Here's gosh. what was happening in my mind. <laughs> I thought I thought you're saying, okay, we put in how we're supposed to pronounce the character's name, and you know, Rock says it one way, and then here's the correct way. And the only bit I didn't hear was when you said Kaladin. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Don't let it happen again. It's all good. <laughs> With Syl and Rock, there's still that, mm-hmm. like, he is still very respectful of her. Because I think he's the only one out of the entire bridge crew that can see her. And it's not because she's allowed him to see her. It's because, is it just because horn eaters can see Spren? Mm-hmm. I was going to say that. The others can see her when she allows them to. But yeah, like you said, he can see her all of the time. Mm-hmm. Which begs the question, can Rock see spread that aren't manifesting around emotions or their objects of focus? I would say yes. And I wonder if he just doesn't point it out all the time just because either it would be annoying or it's not relevant to the situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, we find yeah. a new brome, an amethyst brome, which I was like, Meg, have we seen that before? And you said no. Rock is going to use it to buy better spices and stuff, but he says, I will use him to buy better. So he assigns, I don't know if this is a rock eater thing, but he assigns a gender to the sphere. Does that mean there's a spren around the sphere? <laughs> I don't know. Or if it's a if it's a language thing where Horn Eater has uh, male and female words, like, like a language like French. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, instead of saying an it, he refers to it as a him. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out to see if Rock uh, genders any other items in his, in his conversations. Mm-hmm. And also, Kaladin is... Uh, He's trying to he's trying to tell Syl to stop teasing Rock, mm-hmm. and then Rock says, "I will endure whatever you know you wish of me." And he might build Syl a shrine, <laughs> and she's like, "Ooh!" <laughs> and she's like, "I I like that." <laughs> and so here at the end, and I'm sorry I gave it away at the beginning of the chapter, but Caledon more fully explains why they're bringing the bridgemen down here to train. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
They were there, Kaladin said, in Sadius's war camp when we were assigned to exclusive duty in the chasms. They saw what we did and have heard stories of our training here. By bringing them down here, we're inviting them in, like an initiation. Nice. And so the men are training themselves, and Kaladin uh, has just been summoned by Sigzil uh, to go and train his new uh, radiant abilities as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, we're going to train. We're going to learn. All right. And now the next chapter is the first flashback of the book. Mm-hmm. And so now, Emily, I'm going to open up. And I'm going to tell you something. It's chapter 10. It is chapter 10. Well spotted. Thank you. Also, book one was all Kaladin flashbacks. Book two will be all Shalon. I am so excited to read about her and her murder brothers and, like I said, I think her murdered dad. Yeah, (laughs) and I really hope that their terrible childhood brings all the kids closer together. I really don't want there to be a rival a rivalry going on. I kind of want them all to band it together, but I I don't know. Apparently, her dad is awful, 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 awful. From what we've seen of their conversations in book one, Mm -hmm. it feels like she and her brothers who were still at home are all on the same page. Yeah. I mean, Halloran, her oldest brother, Halloran, ran away and dad had him declared dead. Um, But it it feels like Shalon and her her brothers at home are are good now. Although, Yasna was supposed to send them aid and help and money. Oh, did they already send them the soul caster, quote unquote? No, because they were going to have navani repair it so shallan has now lost the broken soul caster and yasna's fake soul caster are both lost dang it oh i didn't think about that uh that's the thunder there's the thunder the it keeps going the repercussions repercussions <laughs> so there's a symbol on top of the chapter Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is her family crest or if this is something that's just Shalon specific, but I noticed it because on the next page it's the same thing but with inverted colors. Uh huh. So. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Would you like me to shed light on it or do you want to rayfo? Uh, you know this one I will actually rayfo. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you, amazing job spotting the inverted colors. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't even go to art school. Yeah. This is a very, very short flashback. If the large artwork at the beginning of the chapter weren't there, Mm -hmm. it would only be one page long. Yeah. So, Emily, tell me what what happened in just this little bit in this tiny flashback. Shalon is young. She's six years younger, so she's 11, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. And it doesn't go into great detail, but the few little pieces of detail we get are basically... We're standing on the set of a horror movie, the aftermath of a horror movie. There is blood everywhere. There are bodies everywhere. And her dad is singing her a lullaby. Like, creepy. the creepiness factor has been dialed up to 11. And so the best that I can gather, something happened. There are dead people. And there's a... Okay, it's a short page, but there's a lot to unpack. So I'm trying to, like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get all this... Hey, we can... We can take as long as we want. It's our podcast. That's true. You guys have to sit here and listen to us. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> so he's singing to her and 
he says, father gathered her into his arms and she felt her skin squirming. No, no, this affection wasn't right. A monster should not be held in love. A monster who killed, who murdered. No. And here's where I'm getting into maybe conspiracy theory town because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it says father carried Shalon over the body of a woman in blue and gold. Little blood there. It was the man who bled. Mother lay face down so Shalon couldn't see the eyes. The horrible eyes. Shard blades, when they kill someone, burn the eyes out. So, yeah. No, not you. <laughs> so Spin your tail. Then this got me thinking that could Shalon have the sword or could the dad have had the sword and lent it to Shalon? For this, like we talked about in an earlier chapter where one of the generals will lend the, the shard blade out. So I don't mm -hmm. know if that has happened, but in in an earlier chapter two, Shalon was talking about could she do this again like she had when she was a child playing with light. It feels like Shalon has almost always had this ability because Pattern also said in an earlier chapter, reminding her like that day in the garden that it, it was kind of implicated that Shalon had seen pattern before and so we're getting tiny tinier pieces of information but with a lot more background to kind of tie things together mm -hmm. but here's the other thing so it feels like Shalon thinks she is a monster who has murdered and killed people and then it says they passed father's strong box set into the wall it glowed brightly light streaming from the cracks around the closed door a monster was inside so I don't know what that is either but it mm. sounds important while you're on a conspiracy rant mm -hmm. uh when did this flashback take place six years ago when she was 11 i want you to flip back to the prologue okay oh the prologue took place six years ago so the assassin in white went after gavilar at the same it's probably not the exact same day but around the same time. So Seth has, and we don't know a lot of details about why, but Seth has magical abilities like Kaladin is displaying now. Mm. And so if your theory is correct that Shallan was already showing these magical abilities, it's like something was starting to happen six years ago already. Mm -hmm. Here's a terrible thought I just had. What if her dad made her do it like like Seth has the Oath Stone. Do Radiance, mm. do all Radiance have the Oath Stone to like balance out their powers? I don't know, but you know, like like the genie in the lamp yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. That'd be horrible. Be horrible. Uh, one last question. Mm -hmm. What what in your copy is Shallan's mom wearing? Blue and gold. So... Here we hit the first discrepancy between the first edition and later printings. Okay. Um, Brandon actually did some small, mostly small changes to Words of Radiance between the hardback and the paperback printing. Mm -hmm. And Emily, there is one huge difference. And we're not going to talk about it forever. <laughs> okay. But I had only had my got it at midnight hardback and i wasn't like a big part of the online fandom mm -hmm. and i'm like oh yeah the books are totally this way this is literally what happens in these books and 
I didn't find out for years that Brandon decided that wasn't the way he wanted it to go and changed a, a, a thing. Interesting. And so I'm excited when we get to the thing I that is different. Too. But in the first copy, the one that I have, Father carried Shalon over the body of a woman in white. Oh, okay. Right. Um, my, my guess is he wanted to change it because uh, he wanted the carpet to be red carpet once white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you did it. Good job, but, buddy. Yeah, so that's our first look into Shalon's past. The world ended and Shalon was to blame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you to write that sentence down in your notes. So there have been, okay, because of things and because of stuff. I found out some new fan theories this year that sort of (laughs) blew my mind. And I think this sentence is more significant than we're first led to believe. So that's Megan's Cosmere Conspiracy Corner. I love it. I love it. All right. And now, oh, we have another Shallan chapter. Mm -hmm. Chapter 11, An Illusion of Perception. Uh, The epigraph says, but understandably, we were focused on Sadius. His betrayal was still fresh, and I saw its signs each day as I passed empty barracks and grieving widows. We knew that Sadius would not simply rest upon his slaughters in pride. More was coming. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody isn't getting their comeuppance fast enough for Emily's taste. (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs) I am just going to be, okay, here's what I'm going to be really sad about. I know we have said this before on the podcast, and I want to reiterate it. Murder is wrong. Don't do a murder. Don't do a murder. But you remember the episode where Liren has Bright Lord Rashon on the table, and he doesn't, doesn't kill, him. kill him, but he has the opportunity to, and later on, that's what leads to Tien being taken off to war. I am afraid that them not doing anything about Sadius is going to end up in a similar fashion where bad things happen that, I don't know if you, you can't always prevent bad things, but whatever bad thing happens, I think it was specifically because they did not stop Sadius. So you're saying that sometimes it's okay to kill someone if you know they're going to do something (laughs) bad later. at all sorry this is this is bringing us back to the lesson again Mm -hmm. and was yasna right to kill the murderers was yasna right to kill those guys like i'm sure she did her research but was she confident beyond all shadow of a doubt that those were all of them and those were even the specific men that did it Mm -hmm. but here's the thing sadius did a quantifiable bad thing yeah he already did it, though, so there's you can't undo the past. But he thinks he can get away with it now. Maybe he can. Ugh. Maybe he'll change. Maybe we should forgive No, Sadius. absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in the last episode that we just released, uh-huh. it talks about Delinar and Sadius. Delinar saved Sadius on the battlefield. Sadius is going to die. And Sadius says, that was really stupid of you. Like, uh, why would you do that? I'm grateful that you did. Don't get me wrong. And Delinar's like, you never leave a man behind. It's part of the codes. And I got so angry at work. I had to stop the podcast and go take a walk. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Are you ready to get even more upset about that? Yes, please. 
So in that chapter, Sadia says to him, Dalinar, that honor of yours is going to get you killed one day. At the Battle of the Tower, when Kaladin is standing by Sadius mm-hmm. and he's overhearing him, Sadius is looking at Dalinar surrounded by Parshendi and mutters, I told you your honor would get you oh. killed, old friend. And it makes me feel crazy because I'm just like, how? Okay, I know politically why they can't just go ahead. Actually, no, I don't know why politically they can't just go ahead and execute the man for treason. Maybe they won't have like proof um they have thousands of widows thousands of war widows people were there they saw what happened yeah but sadius the story he told when he came back was that oh no the battle was too bad and if i had engaged my troops we would have all died too so he's like i made the best choice for my men and if he sticks to that story and if everyone under his pay grade sticks to that story then as much as dalinar would say hey Sadius did this huge injustice if the machinations of the society that make these sort of judgments, if they aren't swayed. So, like, could Dalinar prove this in a court of law beyond all shadow of a doubt Mm. if there are no witnesses that tell the truth? And also, I think Dalinar really is trying to be the sort of man he thinks Alethkar deserves as a king and Dalinar doesn't want to be the despot king he doesn't want the Blackthorn to be a king he wants to be like Noadon something I wanted to talk about in the in the first book oh this might have been in our last episode but I want to jump back to it is Dalinar's conversation with Aladar Aladon Aladar where this is the first time Gavilar was ever brought up in a negative light. Yes. Mm-hmm. In book one, everyone, we we were all about, this is vengeance for Gavilar, our king who was murdered, our incredible leader. And, and Dalinar looks up to him and Gavilar was so good to Dalinar and was like, keep to the codes tonight, brother. I sense something. And this, I feel, is the very first hint of something we've gotten that, okay, we're all deifying Gavilar for his goodness and his strength and his prowess. Maybe he was just okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his son sure is garbage. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. And mm-hmm. I think I was just going to repeat basically what I said on the last the last episode, so I, I won't. I will. I will not. You could say it again. It's been two weeks since everyone listened to it. That's true. Um, the idea of Okay, this is might sound a little coarse, but how long is long enough before someone is avenged? Like hundreds of thousands of deaths over the last seven years on the Shattered Plains? I mean, like they went there with the goal of we are going to kill the Parshendi and make them pay. They have. Now mm-hmm. everyone knows it's just about getting gem hearts and getting riches. So it's yeah. they're not keeping to the spirit of the law. They're keeping to the letter of the law, though, by staying there and battling it all out. That if it was about vengeance, they wouldn't be doing it for gem hearts. They would assemble all, t- like, instead of a siege, they would take all ten armies and cross the plains for a full-out assault mm-hmm. to destroy the Parshendi. Yeah. But, like you said, it's, it's definitely not about vengeance yeah. anymore at all. It's about... 
Alethi and how they like to wage war and get money and get gem hearts. Mm -hmm. Because in in the previous chapter, also when they're talking about Aladar and everything, and Mm -hmm. Dalinar's like, do it for honor. It's because it's honorable. And Aladar is like, no, it's not. Like, these people have no qualms about realizing, hey, we're hypocrites, but I want to get rich doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Jumping a little bit more into, like, this war and stuff. Do we know why the Parshendi wanted Seth to kill Gavilar? No, my guess had been they had been hired by someone to take the fall for it. But I don't know what would be payment enough to send hundreds of thousands of your people to be killed and your forces decimated over the course of seven years. I don't know what they're going to get out of it. And it's, it's, I would bring this up because it's interesting that our, we've been talking about killing one man to stop the destruction he'll cause in the future. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting that these books get kicked off by one man gets killed and it ends up being the nexus that is the cause for all of this destruction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're saying what could be worth it to the Parshendi to you to do this is the price they're paying on the battlefield to them, is it worth whatever was behind their reasoning for killing Gavilar? Yeah, I'm very curious about that. I don't know. So I, gosh, I wish we could read ahead and find out what happens. (laughs) I just wish we could read more from the Parshendi's point of view. I bet we will. If anything. I bet we will. I don't know. It doesn't sound likely. I don't think there's enough room in these books for that. I'm interested if we're going to get it from Shen's point of view or if we're going to get it from the shard bearers, the gold shard bearers point of view. Your your wizard friend? Yes, the wizard who lives on the hill. All right. So we're back to Shallan. She's made it on land. Uh, Emily, do you have a map in your book? I do. Here, look. It looks like it has Star Wars language on it. Ar- Arabesh? Yeah. Okay, you guys, this is going to make me sound ungrateful. I understand this is a fantasy book, but she gets uh-huh. saved by the the Santhid. That's what was pulling her under and taking her there. And I understand there are stories in real life in our world where, like, dolphins go and save people or whatever. But I don't know. I This chapter was... You don't like the Santhid rescue? <laughs> It didn't feel realistic in a fantasy novel. That's my problem. So for me, Mm -hmm. I like it because she's literally, to our knowledge, the only human being ever to look a Sanfit in the eye. Mm -hmm. She goes underwater. She sees this incredible creature and they make a connection. And I feel... This is nothing, nothing about this is proven ever, Mm -hmm. okay? This is just me. I like to imagine that the light weaving that she sent out went to the Santhid. The the fake version of her that she sent down the hallway. I like to imagine it saw it as like a cry for help. And like you said... There's stories in our world of dolphins saving people from shipwrecks. Mm -hmm. And I feel (laughs) that this is 
you know, the that the Santhid is considered good luck mm-hmm. that Shallan would not have made it to the shore without this stroke. Oh yeah, of luck. I don't think I don't think she would have. I've just it just felt a little it felt like the lion turtle in last airbender. It's <laughs> a little Duzek's machina, you know. Um Yeah. But yeah, without Wait. this she would have died. So. Mhm. Before we jump too far into it, I want you to to look at the map a little more. Mm-hmm. And there is a note written on it. Oh, Shalon made landfall here, and then it's signed by Naj, N-A-Z-H. Uh-huh. We've run into that name before. Yeah. We have. Where? Yes. <laughs> he is one of the he is one of the people who create some of the literal art in these books he's the one that drew all the bridgman's tattoos uh, a couple chapters ago we saw that we saw that picture of him so he is a real in-world person that is researching the events of this very book recording them and sending them to who we assume uh, is his friend chris who is from the cosmere dot drop who is from the White Sands. No, uh, wait. Dun, 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 dun. Tell me where is Chris from? Nas is from uh, a world called Threnody. So the world Never mind. doesn't end because there are people afterwards researching stuff. Uh, maybe they're doing it in visions like Dalinar. That's true. Who can look in the past even though it's destroyed. Mm-hmm. Wait, I clicked on Chris's name. How did that take me there? That doesn't help me. Okay, well, sorry. Uh, Naz is also the person who draws all of the maps in the second uh, Mistborn series. So the Wax and Wayne series. Okay. So she's amazed that she was rescued by the Santhid and she's trying to figure out how it had happened. And she's like throwing out all these hypotheses and everything. And she almost started laughing as she realized the direction her thoughts were going. She'd nearly drowned. Yasna was dead. The crew of the wind's pleasure likely murdered or swallowed by the sea. Instead of mourning them or marveling at her survival, Shalon was engaging in scholarly speculation. That's what you do. A deeply buried part of herself accused her. You distract yourself. You refuse to think about the things that bother you. That's not a good way to handle your emotions. (laughs) I wonder if this will have any kind of repercussion. (laughs) I am, I feel bad for Shalon, but I feel the direction she is going is an explosion where she's bottled everything up. It feels like uh, everything she's bottled up from childhood till now, she's going to hit a breaking point and there's going to be some sort of like Nova explosion and her power is going to come to light at maybe the worst possible time or something. But I feel like this is how she's going to get exposed as a radiant because she can't, okay, this is going to sound terrible because she can't keep a handle on her emotions. That's not what I'm saying, but that's how I think it's going to come across maybe. Right, that um, if you don't have a healthy way to, like, acknowledge or deal with your emotions, or even more specifically with trauma, your brain will just flush its system and unload them on you at times when you aren't aware or you aren't, like, wary of them. That's that's one of the 
elements of post-traumatic stress disorder is since there's something in your past that you haven't been able to work through or that you haven't tried to work through, your brain will throw you like literally back into that situation to make you feel all of those feelings again uh, until you find a way to properly process it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, brains, chemistry, feelings. They're good for you. Feelings are good for you. Feel your feelings. Feel your feelings. And get a professional person to walk you through how to feel your feelings. If you're, you know, if that's help you need, get that help. Mm -hmm. Shalon is not getting that help. (laughs) I don't think Pattern is a licensed (laughs) therapist. But yeah, she's, like you said, she's, there's a lot of terrible things behind her. There's a lot of terrible things in front of her is because she's alone. It doesn't look like anyone else has survived. And Shalon, did you really think people were, oh my gosh, did you really think people were going to survive when you turned the boat to water in the middle of an ocean? Okay, well, in her defense, there were only four people left alive on the crew by the time she did it. So she killed all four of them. Maybe. I mean, she survived. Did the Santhid go back for anyone else? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. I just, again, I don't know what I want from her. I don't have a solution yeah. to my problem that I have with this. Uh, also, while, yes, it did probably kill the other uh, sailors, This is also the only way she could have taken on all of the attackers Mm -hmm. because it's possible that, yeah, if she killed all the sailors, maybe she killed all the attackers as well. And it balances out in a neutral good. No, that's not how it works. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because, you know, the the life of a man is worth. No, we're not getting into this. I'm kidding. Hey, again, you guys, murder is wrong. Mm -hmm. But I think you are right that the excuse that I took out the ship to save the sailors is weak. Mm -hmm. But the excuse that I took out the ship to stop the attackers is stronger. Mm -hmm. And because, like... They would have come after her eventually. They would have realized. There's, There's nowhere to go on a boat. Yeah. Stepped overboard. And I, yeah. And like she was in Shadesmar. She didn't see any other people in there to help her. Yeah. Like, and I don't think she had enough stormlight to just camp out in Shadesmar. Yeah. Because in book one, um, Yasna, R.I.P. Uh, what? For now. <laughs> Sorry. My brain just said rest in princess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Emily, is it crass if every time I say Yasna, I say rest in princess? You can do whatever you want, however you want to deal with this. You are entitled okay, to that. So, Yasna, R.I. princess. <laughs> um, <laughs> excuse me, princess. <laughs> in the last book, when Shalon took one sphere and went into Shadesmar to prove to Yasna R.I. Princess that she could, that Yasna chased her and was like, you're a fool for only going in with this much stormlight. Mm-hmm. So clearly you need a lot of stormlight to survive in Shadesmar. Because on the ship, she like sucked in like that, like those spheres that were glowing super bright. 
So she had enough mm-hmm. then, but not very much now. And uh, so Shalon, the, the Santhid didn't bring her all the way to shore. It brought her to, you know, like a little mermaid rock. <laughs> Part of your... <gasps> <laughs> she sits there and she's sad about Yasna for a while. She doesn't cry over her. Mm-hmm. She feels like it, but she doesn't cry. But she says, a woman so brilliant, so amazing was just gone. Yasna had been trying to save everyone, protect the world itself, and they'd killed her for it. I'm... The suddenness of what had happened left Shalon stunned, and so she sat there, shivering and cold, and just staring out at the ocean. I'm wondering if, because I think they mentioned in the in the first like chapter in this about ghost bloods, or they mentioned it like at the end of Way of Kings. I wonder if the ghost bloods know about this and don't want people to find out i wonder if they are a fanatic cult obsessed with bringing about the end of the world and trying to kill anyone who's figured out what's happened did you write that down in your theory we'll do that i am going to rafo that with a star okay that's a sparkly that's a sparkly rafo i'll tell you what the sparkly rafo means okay cool so once we get absolute confirmation or denial of that. So Shalon finally makes it to shore. Mm-hmm. And it's it's cold ocean where she is. Oh, that's that's rough. And it like and Brandon describes it so well about you know that that cold that's so cold but you can still feel your feet or whatever, but it's ugh. I was miserable. I hate being cold. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. So she makes it to shore. And then she starts, then she's afraid of the water, Mm -hmm. which, you know, isn't that just how it is sometimes on this of an earth (laughs) that you're like, you, you do something amazing. And then when you're done, you're like, how, whoa, why did I do that? That was so stupid. (laughs) That used to happen to me, um, after piano recitals, I Uh had, I don't know if it was no fear or maybe it was just no feeling. I was just trying not to feel anything because before I would perform. But mm-hmm. I would get up, perform my piece, and sit down and then start freaking out after it was all over. <laughs> so that was not pleasant. <laughs> and one of the first things she does when she gets to the beach is she kneels down and she traces a glyph ward in the sand and has a prayer. And has a moment of silence for ten heartbeats. Mm-hmm. So, which is a, a holy number in Voronism. Mm-hmm. So, when Navani made the huge, huge glyph, the Justice glyph, uh-huh. did she burn that? Did she set it on fire? She did. Okay, okay. It is flammable ink. Okay. Um. So, speaking of fire, Shalon's trying to figure out how to make one, and and I did appreciate this part because her brain is going a million miles a minute of. Uh, well, I need a fire to be warm, but if someone sees it, then they're going to come get me. But maybe if I see another fire somewhere else, I can go see that person. And so she, um, she's looking around for fire. What did she find something? What does she find? She finds Yasna's trunk with all of her notes and books in a waterproof enclosure. So the proof that she needs. So, okay, again, I'm being pithy about this it's just mm-hmm. she so happens to find yasna's trunk with you know all the notes she needs i i'm hoping that we find out 
that there is a different explanation rather than like she stumbled upon it and she happened this to be chapter saying- is magical <laughs> and i can't believe you're so in the mud about it <laughs> this is what happens well in logical defense of this although i think it's just it's sweet that she thought she lost absolutely everything of yasna and even though Yasna herself is gone, her work lives on, and that's poetic and beautiful. <laughs> and what is wrong with you? Because when she's in Yasna's of... room, the trunk is missing. Right. So, okay. More pro- more projecturing. Okay. The people who came on board wanted Yasna's research. Mm-hmm. And so they would have taken that trunk up to the top deck. Okay. And that when the ship turned to water, that was set adrift floating in the ocean because it is waterproof. Okay. And like Shallan sees a bunch of other shipwreck nonsense on the beach, it is clear that the how the tides work is if ships wreck near here, the stuff from it ends up on this beach. I'm and s- you know what? what? Maybe the Santhid brought her the trunk, okay? <laughs> Maybe the magical, incredible creature as Shalon was the first person to ever, literally the first person to connect with it. And this being, this creature is like, I'm going to help Shalon. My new best friend. <laughs> is this what it's like when I don't like Roswell? <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> We're funny. Um, I'm also surprised that there aren't more looters. Like, I, if if this is a place where ships do shipwreck, I would think that there would be not a civilization nearby, mm-hmm. but maybe a, an encampment of, of looters that would... What? Listen, what? they do run into people, but they're not looters. Also, Megan, sidebar, you would look great with an undercut. Oh, I thought about it look really great um mostly though i just don't like the idea of growing it back out again mm-hmm. so there have been times where i've done uh some tight braids down the side with my hair big on the top and i've liked it in the past nice. but yeah right. i would look great with an undercut <sighs> what if i got an undercut got a tattoo on my skull and then let my hair grow over it so mom would never know i, got a tattoo. <laughs> I love it <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking today, when could I get a tattoo and not feel horrifically guilty about it? Because I really want a tattoo, but I know that's not chill with everyone I know. (laughs) And I'm like, do you know what? I will wait until all of my nibblings are over 16. (laughs) So I won't feel like I'm being a bad example. (laughs) We'll go together. And... And that also I can, you know, talk with them about it to be like, this is a choice for me that I made. And I'm still, I don't know. Sorry, I know Lauren listens to this. Lauren, I'm not going to like sit down with each of your kids and be like, so this is why Aunt Megan wants to get a tattoo. and She needs you to be chill with it. But at the rate we're going, I'll get my first tattoo when I'm 48. I know exactly what I would get, too. I want to get just the outlines of flowers and vines uh, along the left side of my collarbone. Mm -hmm. 
and then when I go to and like down my arm a bit and then when I go to fancy red carpet events I will watercolor them in to match my outfits oh that's beautiful yeah it's gorgeous I planned that out like 12 years ago and I still haven't gotten a tattoo yet. I was listening to a podcast and one of the hosts was talking about the new tattoo they just got and I was like, I wish that were me. They have glow-in-the-dark <laughs> tattoos now. That's cool. That's very- well, wait, wait. You saw that on an episode of Elementary. No. No, no. <laughs> I swear I saw it somewhere else. Hold on. Also, hi, this is another message to my sister, Lauren. I don't, I don't, listen, (laughs) it's not your kid's job to make me be a good person, but I want you to know a lot of times in my life when I make a decision, it's would I disappoint my nibblings if they knew how I was behaving? (laughs) That is very cool. They have glow in the dark tattoos. Okay, now that I've been proven right, we can go on. Okay. <laughs> so, Shalon is trying to... Oh, she's also gotten some more spheres from Yasna's trunk that have Stormlight, which is good. Because she has... A, but here's the thing, and I think this plays a part later on. We're not told what denomination they are. Like, I just automatically assume Diamond. But we know that she had enough money to pay her way into the Palinaeum. No, she didn't have to, remember? Uh, she made a trade with Teravangium. Oh, no, I'm talking about Shalon. Oh. Sorry, when you said pay her way to the Palinaeum, I thought you meant library card. No, you're good. Um, and so this, I I want to, I hope I remember to talk about this later, but uh, she tells someone later in the episode, in the chapter, that she's going to pay them well. So I hope she's got some emerald bromes in her safe pouch hand whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what i hope so it's very funny that the conditions in which shalon has gone into shades mar every time have been different mm-hmm. uh the first time it was an accident the second time she asked to go on purpose but didn't know anything about what she was mm-hmm. doing uh the third time was this panic moment on the ship and so now this is the first time that she gets to kind of carefully step through with pattern and she gets to do it a couple times until she gets it right Mm -hmm. and we find out the last question you sorry last episode you had a question about okay why did she land on the sea this time and pattern points out to her that what is land in our realm is ocean in shadesmar and what is ocean in our realm is solid ground in Shadesmar. I like that it's an invert, like it's literally an inverted world, you know. Hey, have we seen anything inverted <gasps> hey, so far did. in this book? We have. Hey, look at us. What was it? It was a. Uh, was it? Shal- I I don't know if it's Shalon symbol or what, but it was the symbol that's at the beginning of her flashback chapter and this chapter. It's the same image, just flip flopped. Black is white. White is black. Are you looking that up? No, I'm, I'm replying to my friend Heidi who wants to watch Our Flag Means Death with me and I really want to watch it. It's the new pirate show. Oh, I've only seen the first half. Anyway. Uh, so she is in Shadesmar trying to get some help to survive. Because, again, remember, Shalon lived in her father's library her whole life. 
she never went through brownies or Girl Scouts or anything like that. She does not know how to start a fire and she mm -hmm. is going to freeze to death. It mentions that these are the lands that at night everything freezes. And so she goes in and tries to do with a stick what she did with the ship is convince it to become something else. Emily, this stick is the fan favorite character <laughs> by far. There is so much merch and jokes about the stick. <laughs> and and this is this is just this is its only scene. <laughs> At the impact of this incredible performance by the stick playing a stick <laughs> Can never be matched by anyone else in this series. <laughs> it's interesting. Like, I wonder in, in Avatar if the cabbage merchant was always intended to just have a one shot or mm -hmm. or if they planned it out or I just, it feels like that to me, I guess. Like, my cabbages sort of yeah. a thing, you know. My cabbages. Like, I think the first time I think he was intended to be a one shot, but I could imagine a writer's room where they're like, well, because the first episode he's in, in. Is it King Boomy's? Omashu. Yeah. yeah. You see him three or four times in just that episode. Mm -hmm. And I, th I bet he was planned for just one episode, but it was just so funny. They had to bring it back. Okay. You were asking real fast uh, if Shalon goes all the way into Shadesmar. But it's mentioned here that she's being very conscious that she is in both realms at once. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that she is... Because I was thinking during the lesson, Yasna is making people transform into fire, like Shalon wants the stick to become fire. Um, but it didn't look like Yasna physically disappeared. So it was kind of... I almost wonder if it's like this duality, this yeah. dual mind thing. Like a... I'm thinking like a magic eye mm -hmm. puzzle mm -hmm. where, cause, cause we see, we see Yasna's soul cast a bunch in the first book before Shalon knows what's really happening. Mm -hmm. And so Yasna is just dipping into Shadesmar all the time and saying to her glass of wine, become crystal. So if the stick doesn't want to change and it refuses mm -hmm. to change and Shalon can do nothing about that, but Yasna can make someone become fire without getting their permission or does yasna just have a really good argument when she talks to like the man's little like form the man's little soul yeah yeah and just be like it'll be great or is she just like i'm <laughs> it'll be so much fun <laughs> or she's like i'ma do it you know like yeah i don't know um well we'll never know we'll never ever ever know until she comes back i uh, or until Shalon learns how to do it without her forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder if that's what made Yasna who she is. The, uh, the uh -huh. I mean, I wonder if she had to like learn how to do it from I need your permission to this serves me and I will do this because it serves me and how that changed who she was mm -hmm. as a person. Yeah, like... Shalon is wheedling and pleading and almost begging the stick to be fire. Mm -hmm. Yasna didn't seem the type of woman to do that. No. But yeah, Shalon is unsuccessful and she kind of realizes like, well, my 
options are to lay down here and die or get up and find something. Yes, your hand is raised. I would like to point out one more thing about Shadesmar. Mm-hmm. So in your Spren Watch, four chapters ago, did you write down exhaustion spren? I did. What does an exhaustion spren look like? Oh, they're giant in this. Nope. Sorry. I, I mean, in when we saw exhaustion spren before, what did they look oh, like? Oh, I don't remember. They're like small wisps of smoke, like from a, a snuffed out candle. Mm-hmm. But in Shadesmar, so is everything the opposite in Shadesmar? Um, so we know that pattern looks different in Shadesmar than he does on our realm. Mm-hmm. Um, Spren are massive in Shadesmar. Mm-hmm. Okay. At least the ones that we've seen. That like pattern is probably the size of a, a teacup dish mm-hmm. in our real world. And then he's a full sized human in, sh- well, sorry, he's humanoid sized mm-hmm. in Shadesmar. Have we ever seen Syl this big? She got big in the last book she became like person sized uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. so if the if uh-huh. the storm father that kaladin saw during his trial quote unquote was giant here does that mean it's massive in shadesmar or did kaladin go to shadesmar i can't see you what you know what oh sorry that was me taking my eyebrows and <laughs> raising them <laughs> emily have you put down a sparkly raven? Right. Does sparkly you mean does that mean it's been answered at one point? No. Oh. No, because if it's been answered, I would have told you. Okay. Rafo stands for read and find out. Mm-hmm. Sparkly Rafo is you are partially right or you're headed towards something really interesting. Okay. And yeah, you you just you literally will read and find out. But uh we've seen some very large spren. In our realm. The whale one. Um, the whale one. And, you know, if, if Stormfather is a spren. So the question you're having is, is that what their f- real form looks like? Or is that just what their physical realm forms looks like? And they're even more massive in the cognitive realm. Because I wonder if, like, if Yasna and Shalon could cross over into Shadesmart and interact with the world there and change things. I wonder if Sprint crossing over from Shadesmar to Roshar also have that ability to change things in Roshar. Am I doing good? Emily. Am I doing really good today? You are doing great. Thank you. What do you think Syl has done to Kaladin? And is it the same as what Shallan is trying to do to stuff in Shadesmar. Oh, I wonder if the people are the beads for the for the spread. the bead bowl. Because <laughs> she's changing. Well, I don't know if she changed him or if that was just an innate ability. But I feel like it leans more towards she's the one doing this. Yeah, but okay. I haven't really thought about it this way before. Uh-huh. I don't know if this is anything specifically in the book. But Shallan is sending an aspect of herself to Shadesmar and offering a denizen of Shadesmar stormlight in exchange for changing into becoming something beyond what it actually is. And Syl, in her connecting with Kaladin, she's 
basically giving him the ability to use Stormlight and is asking him into change. You know, in the last chapter where she's like, can you do it for me? Can you be what you're supposed to be? And he's like, I'll try. And it's literally like what Shallan is trying to do to the stick. <laughs> Sil is trying to do to Kaladin. And he's just like, I can't do it. I'm a bridgeman. And she's like, but you could be radiant. And he's like, I'm a bridgeman. <laughs> That's really sweet. I Me like too. that. And if Pattern is trying to change Shallan, he is also getting, should we call it getting sticked? Yeah. Where Pattern is like, remember! And Shallan's like, I am... No. And, and, and Pattern's like, but you could remember! <laughs> and Shallan's like, or I could disassociate until you're done talking. Ugh. <laughs> oh. That was great. Thank you for giving me lightning. Just struck my brain. Welcome. I enjoyed this. I enjoy our little talks. And I. So, listen, because this is what our audience wants. I think we should read the stick versus Shallan conversation. Okay. Would you like to play Shallan or the stick? I'll be Shallan. Okay, I'll be Groot. <laughs> um. So we're not going to do the descriptions. Mm -hmm. We're just going to do the dialogue. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to play the stick and I'm going to play pattern. Okay. Because I'm a greedy bench. (laughs) All right. Start with please, Shalon said. Please, I need you to become fire. I am a stick. You could be fire. I am a stick. Why don't you become fire instead? I am a stick. How do I make it change? Mm, I do not know. You must persuade it, offer it truths, I think. This place is dangerous for you, for us. Please, speed. You want to burn. I am a stick. Think how much fun it would be? I am a stick. Stormlight, you could have it. All that I'm holding. I am a stick. Sticks need stormlight for things. I a am a stick. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh. So she's she's walking out here in the wilderness of the frostlands. And like you said, she's curled up in a ball like she's just willing to lay down and die. Mm-hmm. But then she gets to her feet and she keeps walking and her feet are getting all sliced Trashed. up. This is giving me a lot of um, Menali vibes from... Menali? Uh, Menali, yeah, from the Harper Hall trilogy. Uh-huh. Anyway, she sees a light. Mm-hmm. She walks into a camp. And just lays down. Like, I understand. She's exhausted. But, like, doesn't even look to see who is there. Just as, like, fire, I'm cold, and she just lays down and goes to sleep on the ground. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap right here. <laughs> Have you seen that that little video oh, the girl of the little the girl beach. crying? Yeah, yeah. And I was, I was thinking about it. One, walking, very tired. But swimming in the ocean is a special kind of tired. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because... You and your beach body. Listen... 
the ocean takes something from you when you go play in it. <laughs> there's just, there's, I can't, okay, it's, it's probably just the cold. It's probably just the fact that you swim in cold water for so long. But there's just this special kind of delicious exhaustion after you've gone to the ocean and it takes all your cares away at like 800 gigajoules of body heat. <laughs> <laughs> but I also... Have you ever, like, stayed up really late or done something very strenuous and just crashed to sleep after? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a good feeling. I do it way less than you do, but... <laughs> it's because I'm bad at time management. <laughs> You're nocturnal <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Okay, here is what gave me hope in this chapter, because we find out what camp she ended up in, and it's the slaver Tavlakov's camp. Which, guess what this means? What does it because, mean? Because, spoiler alert, she gets them to agree to take her to the Shattered Plains. Kaladin's <laughs> going to get another chance to shove him off the edge of a chasm like I wanted to do in book one! Yeah. Oh. So, um, I'm going to plug the Storm Pod here again. I know I just plugged them earlier. They're doing their Words of Radiance read-through right now as well. Mm-hmm. And... Something that Jack has pointed out that was just astounding to me is that both Kaladin and Shallan are delivered to their destinies by Thalens. Oh. That the Thalen slavers bring Kaladin to the Shattered Plains in the first place, and that Thalen sailors bring Shallan to Carbronth. And now that she has come across Tavlakov and has convinced them to take her... Once again, a Thalen is delivering one of our protagonists to, hopefully, their destiny. Ooh, I like that. I'm a Patreon patron of theirs. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't told them about our podcast. I'm actually kind of embarrassed. Like, at this point, we've been friends for too long that now it's going to be weird when I mention uh-huh. it. So, listeners... Don't tell them I sent you, <laughs> but go listen to the Storm Pod. Give them some of those wonderful five-star ratings that you've been giving us, mm-hmm. which we appreciate, by the way. So, again, listen, I am sorry about this, but I don't know what I want from Shalon, but it's not what she did in this in this chapter. She realizes how vulnerable a position she's in because she's surrounded by all of these men and her, I guess a finger has slipped out of her safe hand and she like, like, oh my gosh, that's like so much faux pas and like covers it up. She thinks that they've stolen some of her spheres. She still has some in her, in her safe pouch, but she basically channels Yasna and is like, you will take me there to the Shattered Plains, even though that's the exact opposite direction you're going. That's where we're going to go. And you're going to take me there. And she bosses her way into it. And it just, I. Girl boss. Well, bossy. She was, I I didn't like this. Okay. So plot twist. We're going to dive deeper into what this is, what she's doing. Okay. But this is an echo of back on the ship when the sailors wouldn't let her go overboard to look at the Santhid. She asked them and they said no. And then she has a conversation with Yasna. And then she realizes in that moment that Yasna wouldn't have just asked. And she gets a final lesson from Yasna about how you present yourself 
will be how these people treat you. Mm. And to me, I see this as she was able to logic the ship into water, Mm -hmm. but she wasn't able to beg and wheedle and plead with the stick to become fire. Mm -hmm. And now she's realizing, okay, 17-year-old Shalon is not enough for what needs to be done. And that while the character of Yasna is dead, her work and her influence are going to give Shalon the strength and the skills, like what, she, what everything she learned from her mm-hmm. is going to give her the strength to take the next step on her journey before her destination oh. at the Shattered Place. <laughs> Here's what I'm wondering, because when she comes to and realizes she's with slavers, it's because they have a wagon full of slaves. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if there's someone in that group who is also being delivered to their destiny at the Shattered Plains, and if we're going to get to know the people in the in the wagon. Maybe. I mean, Maybe. I don't know how much a person costs, but Shalon seems to be very wealthy, and she's promised them that she's going to pay them well. This is why I'm interested in knowing the denomination of... The denomination? Is that... That's not the right word. The... I think okay. it is. What sphere she has in her pouch, because if it's just diamond or whatever that's not enough so i don't know if it's a sapphire or i don't know how much i don't know how much the amethysts are it can't be that much because the bridgeman kept it well the bridgeman can keep spheres now that's true oh that's true or i wonder if they get paid specialty for for protecting royalty like if amethyst is only anyway but yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm mm-hmm. interested to see maybe maybe she's gonna pull a, a Danielle from Ever After and free someone from being a slave and pay them twenty gold francs and be on their way. This brings us to the end of today's reading. And Emily, this is the last Shalon chapter in part one. That's right. Next week we'll have one more Kaladin chapter in part one, and then we're just gonna read two of the interludes. Okay. Because uh, the interludes are much meatier and much fleshed outier in this book. So uh, next week we will be reading chapter 12, Hero. And then we will be reading interlude 1, Eshenai. And then interlude 2, Yim. And that's spelled Y-M. Okay. Before we go, I'm going to tell you which heralds. We're at the beginning of each chapter. And what song we're going to assign to this? Yes. Uh, So our playlist song of the week is going to be Orinoco Flow by (laughs) Enya. And the very specific lyric uh, for this week's reading is, Carry me on the waves to the lands I've never been. (laughs) Carry me on the waves to the lands I've never seen. In honor of the incredibly well-traveled, intelligent, articulate Sanfid and its delivery of <laughs> Shalon that's completely logical and actually deeply moving if you'd care to think about it for more than five <laughs> seconds. My bad. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm just, I'm just making fun of you. Um, so in chapter nine... Uh, walking the grave when the bridgemen go back down into the chasms. The herald was Nalen, 
uh, who is the herald of justice mm-hmm. and confidence. Okay. Um, which uh, I feel he was there because they bring the sergeants, the new sergeants, down into the chasms to train and gain builder confidence. And also Sill is trying to up Kaladin's confidence as she's urging him to become a radiant. Interesting. So she's, you know, extending the call. And then in the flashback of Red Carpet Once White, Vadel is the herald and she is the herald of love and healing, which poor Shawan desperately needs mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of. I wonder if her father will be able to give it to I her. I don't think so. All That's signs right. point to no. All signs point to no. Uh, and then in an illusion of perception, this is uh, the herald Batar. And she is associated with the attributes of wisdom and acting carefully. Nice. And she is the patron herald of the Elts Callers. And Shalon belongs to the Lightweavers. Um, but Yasna belonged to the Elts Callers. That was the type of radiant she was going to be. Um, and so is. I think the herald, I think the herald of Batar is here. Uh, because Shalon is trying to become more like Yasna. And we'll be very proud of her when go. she returns. Uh, Emily, we are one chapter away from being done with part one of the that book. That went so fast. It did go fast. 100 and, 140 pages. I am going to read you uh, just the names of who is going to be in the interludes. Okay. Esh and I. Im and Risen. But we're not reading Risen. We're not reading Risen. We're reading Eshenai and Yim. You have heard the word Eshenai before. I don't remember. Eshenai was a chapter title in The Way of Kings. Okay. What was that chapter about? It uh, it was on the battlefield. Okay. It was a Dalinar point of view chapter on a battlefield. You know, if you have time... Maybe peek that over. It could give you a hint. And you have heard Risen before. That, yeah. R-Y-S-N. I, I, that sounded familiar, but I can't remember what it's from. Mm-hmm. She is the merchant apprentice oh, that we met in book one who has yes. the pot of shin grass. She's coming we back. Do if she still has her the grass? We will find yeah. out if you read it. You will read and find out. But so we're not reading her next time, but hers is very long. Okay. And so we're going to we're going to let her be on the on the start of on the start of next okay. week. Now, you're acting very calm, so I don't think you've noticed. There is no Seth in this interlude. Listen, I was actually thinking about that because of Risen, but I'm like, they're in Shin, so I've got to find out about him. I've. I feel like I will get more information about him. I guess you will read and find <laughs> out. Yeah, so the way that Seth was in every interlude in book one, uh, the character of Eshenai will be in every interlude in book two. Megan? Yep. When does Seth come back, though? Well, I, he's got to, like, walk from Carbroth. Probably take a while. Mm. I'm upset. 
Yeah, well, I can't believe you're more upset about that than you were about Well, Yasna. she's not dead, obviously. Okay. <laughs> I'm so excited to get to the end of part one. We have one more Kaladin chapter. We have one more Kaladin chapter and then we're at the we're at the end of part one. All right, my name is Megan and I gotta get back to doing concept art. My name's Emily and I'm gonna get back to writing my book. Ugh, I believe I in believe you. I believe in you. Ready, break. for listening to my sister made me view it i'm apologizing right now for the quality of this microphone but our good microphone is upstairs and neither megan or i feel like going upstairs to go and get it i took it it's my fault i needed to sound fancy for a meeting and she did she did a good job uh so again we'll keep this short and sweet just want to say thanks again And if you enjoyed today's episode, come back and join us on August 25th for our next Roswell episode. And then come back September 1st and hear another Words of Radiance. What else is happening in September, Emily? We are doing our next miscellaneous feed. And we are going to be doing One to Watch by Kate Stamen London. It's a book. It's a book. So jump in, grab your book, grab your snack. Snacks. Snack. <laughs> Grab your snack. Grab a snack. Grab a snack and a drink. And come on and join us for a, a podcast. <laughs> One to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. We love it so much we use it for all of our podcast feeds. And with that, we're just going to let you go. Enjoy your week. And remember, we believe in you.